0: Welcome to According to Flint, the innovative podcast reaching beyond the Western demographic with stories, humor, and interviews. Now here's your host, Flint Rasmussen. This episode of According to Flint is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who is proud to bring the Western lifestyle and outdoor enthusiasts together for conservation projects, enhancing elk habitat, and ensuring the future of America's hunting heritage. Visit rmef.org for more information. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this episode of According to Flint. Well, welcome to episode number 26, According to Flint. Moving back to the rodeo bull riding arena, the bullfighting ring and honored, happy to welcome a very good friend of mine. I think he's a good friend. I don't know if he'd say the same. He is the 10 time PRCA pro rodeo Cowboys association bullfighter of the year national finals, rodeo bullfighter 12, 12 times, 12 times to the NFR, 12 times the NFR and uh, just a, Pretty dang good all-around guy, Dusty Tuckness. Could you could you please spell your name and give me your title? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Dusty Tuck. I, I don't even know how to spell my
0: own name, actually, so I'll just leave it at Dusty. So, it, it, background. We, we, all, we talk, we always do it when I record these. We talk before we go on the air, and we have the discussion of when you're doing an interview and a TV guy, they turn the camera on and he goes, okay, could you, sp-, for people who don't know, they always say, please spell your name and tell us your title and it's like you asked me for my interview shouldn't you know how to spell my name so do you ask and you told a funny story ted burt i remember ted burt nfr bull rider yeah and and funny thing happened to him
1: (laughs) yeah he uh is a the extreme bulls finals before the nfr his first year he went and yeah you do the old tell say your name your title and spell it and well, they put it on national television. Normally they cut that part out on TV. Well, they didn't. So there's Ted spelling his name to the world. And uh, they're like, man, probably a good thing. He, he made the finals of the bull riding because he's on a spelling bee on national television. <laughs> yeah.
0: Everybody's at home going, now, what, hey, was that T-E-T-E-D, yeah. Ted? Uh, Jerome Davis, who has been on this podcast. I meant to bring this story up. You The autograph thing, when we sit in autograph, we're like, speaking of spelling names, now I'm off on a tangent. And we, we, things are getting a little back to normal, but we went through a phase of uh, this is my son. His name's Jimmy. It's spelled G-H-I-M-M-E-A. I mean, people were in this. That's you so got to ask how to spell names, right? You can't assume.
1: The worst part about the autograph deal is when you know somebody, but you don't remember their name. Oh, my God. And you try to do the old just sign it. And they're like, well, address it to me. And you're Get, like. Make it. What's your name? It's Kate Dusty. Ah, <laughs> uh, see your Kate.
0: Uh, <laughs> ooh, a guy walks up. Uh, oh man, Flint, good to see you after all these years. You're going, oh, hey, buddy. Uh, buddy works, man. Oh, who do I who do I make this to? Ah, just make it to me, son of a. Bitch. <laughs> like oh, a Bob, Oh yeah. So oh. It, Jerome Davis is telling the story. Signing autographs when he was riding bulls and. He said, I can't spell it all. And there is a line of people. And this little kid comes up and says, he says, what's your name, Sonny? He goes, my name's Ted. And Jerome says, just out of habit, how do you spell that? And the little kid, as loud as he can say, everybody knows how to spell Ted. And Jerome looks up, and the whole line of people are going, (laughs) That's said, most <laughs> embarrassing ever anyway uh by the way we do usually request that people make their bed in their hotel room uh but
1: well, <laughs> yeah I, got, I, I just drove from Cheyenne we got here went to the gym this morning and i uh, just wrapped up laundry so that's why it's all kind of messed up today. He, hey, living to life on the road
0: to here tell us where you are
1: uh, in Dodge city, Kansas started extreme bulls tonight. So we had a day of travel and back at it again today.
0: So as we are doing, this comes out this week, but as we're doing this, it's a couple days before it comes out, you're doing the extreme bulls in Dodge city. Then on your way to.
1: Phillipsburg, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then straight into Loveland, Colorado, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then, uh. Get about three days off, then I fly out to the East Coast for a Velocity PBR. So,
0: go meet oh, nice. a crew. Yeah. Nice. That's a good. I, I've enjoyed <clears throat> the fact that you're doing rodeos and you're doing some Velocity Tour stuff. You were with us in the uh, uh, the Elite Tour in Vegas in June. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a fun combo. I, I like seeing you at both because I think the best should go. Either way, I've, I've said it about bull riders. If you're a good bull rider, you're a good bull rider, whatever. That's, But it's got to be, things are presented a little different. The atmosphere is a little different. That's got to be fun for you and mix things up a little bit.
1: And I, I love it. You know because, you know me from when I was rodeoing with dad, you know, so I've grown up brown rodeo my whole life in the, in the Western industry. And I love to fight bulls. And, and you get the question do you do PBRs or do you just do PRC? I'm a bullfighter. And I love what I do and I try to do it at an elite level and being able to get to go to some Blasties and got to fill in there at Vegas with you guys. Um, and make or get to go to some great rodeos. Like I'm just living the dream man. it's so yeah. awesome.
0: And this time of year, <clears throat> I got to thinking about it. Actually, when I talked to you about, well, I'm going, uh, I caught you in Cheyenne said, Hey, yeah. do you want to do this next week? Yeah. I'll be uh, yeah, I'll be in Dodge city by then. And, I'll have a hotel. I should have good service. You know, you have the whole conversation. Uh, I I have talked to my girls a little bit, my daughters about this, where I I don't know if people understand this time of year in the rodeo world, the travel, you don't really think about when I'm going when am I going home. You just go to the next one. Yeah. I'm trying to describe that that frame of mind. It's very different. You're, you're 10 oh, days yeah. in Cheyenne, then you go here and there. You just take a breath and you just go where you're supposed to go.
1: Oh, absolutely. And you, you know, after the end of every rodeo, the, the committee or fans, you know, they're always like, man, you ready for this to be over? I'm like, not really. You know, I'm ready to see a different town or something, but I don't go, I'm not going to get home until the end of September. Like, like you said, we just go to the next one and, and the next one. And, you know, it's just a lifestyle that you kind of, you, you learn to adjust to and, and really being on the roads home.
0: Yeah. I, I've gotten in my career where I sleep better in hotels, <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I wake up. I don't know where the hell I am, who yeah. I am as I've gotten older. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but you get <clears throat> rodeo committees cause that's their one of yep. the year and, and I'm not taking away anything cause they, in those uh, a place like cheyenne for two weeks i mean all the time leading in then that 10 days they work their butts off but it's well like you say well we're done got her done for another year well i'm done for two days (laughs) then we go so it is different this time of year and i always said it about i worked when i was doing rodeos i did work denver which was 27 performances in Two and a half weeks, uh, big winter rodeos. Big winter rodeos that you do. San Antonio. Do
1: you... uh, I do Odessa, Fort Worth, Tucson, and Houston.
0: There you go. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in uh, Fort Worth and Houston. <clears throat> I always said this about Denver. I think in the summer when you have a four day rodeo or even a Cheyenne or Reno, every night whoo, whoo, you get up and let's go. On those ones where there's two performances a day for two weeks or three performances a day, it's a different mentality. I almost felt like I punched into work. Still got to do a great job. But if you if you get that up for every performance, it's exhausting.
1: Oh, absolutely. And that's It's funny you say that because I remember when Nathan Harp first come in and uh, of course he was young and he was excited just like I was when I first went to Fort Worth. And he'd always kind of, Pester me in a sense each day like dude is something wrong something wrong what's wrong I'm like nothing's wrong i said i've been here long enough where i've learned to kind of <clears throat> keep an even tone like autopilot you know i'm going to use my energy when i need it and you're right denver San Antonio, houston those rodeos that you're working at least one if not three per a day you're there and you're doing your job and you're focused and you're ready and, and you got all your ducks in a row but you don't just you're not just Amped out redlining the whole time because you you kind of find that throttle and you uh, use it when you need it.
0: Yeah. Because about day five. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and then you know, <laughs> well, I do. You take a bad hit in the barrel or you get hooked first, second, third perp. You got a long ways to go. But uh-huh. I remember uh, Zig Ziglar, the old Justin Sports Medicine <laughs> guy, told me the first year I was in Fort Worth, I got wrecked out pretty good, like three days in a row. I I uh, got flipped, land on my head, and then they uh, stepped on my head, and then they put stitches in my chin. And he's working on me and everything, getting ready for like per five, and we got twenty nine to go. He he said, "Well, Tuck, the good thing about this rodeo, you'll actually start feeling better by the end of it. (laughs) You're gonna work work your
0: work yourself healthy. (laughs) You're gonna ride yourself healthy, like like JB Mooney does. Just ride yourself healthy. I had that. I worked Denver with John Brogan and Eddie Hatfield. Look at us." legends is legends and there used to be a real bad corner in denver they've kind of changed those shoots and a guy was hung up in that corner and so two bullfighters and me and i came in to at least you know throw my hat (laughs) well at the same time the pickup man rode in and hit me with the chest of his horse here and hurt my ribs and my shoulder and i had like 12 performances to go in denver and i'm not I don't handle pain that well. And and we've, we fought a bull, you know, they turned a bull that we played with, but you don't see that as often anymore, but almost every performance. And I remember John Brogan saying, walk that barrel in. I said, I can't lift the barrel. My ribs and shoulder hurt. And he turned around. We all hurt Pack in the damn barrel. Okay. Okay. That was an example. It's like, we all heard here. Too bad. I learned fast. I got reprimanded. Um, You mentioned something early, right, when we started growing up around this. Your dad was a bullfighter, still a rodeo clown. It's hard to explain to people. The the biggest question, I know you get asked at any interview. We do a lot of Q&As. How did you ever get into this? Yeah. It's hard to explain to people that complete assimilation into the, the life. So you never really have that moment where you go, that's what I want to do. Ooh, I want to pursue that. It's not that unusual for us.
1: No, it, it, it isn't, you know, everybody's got a little different story, how they got into it. But, you know, like I said earlier, for me, you know, I, I guess i really didn't know any different, you know, I grew up into it going with dad in the summer and my mom was involved in rodeos and, and my middle brother, he, he participated a little bit for a while, but, you know, there really wasn't never that day that I was like, "Hey, I guess I'll try that out." It was just something that I I was around. You know, I was young. I'd put the makeup on, the little baggies, I'd fight the sheep, do the parades. That was kind of my deal. With dad was sheep riding, steer riding, in the parades. Those, those were my time to shine. And and it just at that young of an age, and even creeping into high school at that point in my life, I knew it's something I wanted to pursue but I didn't know if it was really going to turn into like a lifelong career or something that I was doing full time. You know, I remember watching you and uh, uh, Bum Gardner and Flint or or Frank and all you guys and and seeing me at the finals or, you know, seeing on the the rodeo tapes. It just, it was almost like another world to me. Um, Like, man, that's cool. That's, that's in a different universe. You know, those guys are special uh, to get to do that. I just never really grasped the concept as a kid of, I could do that, and, you know, once I started getting closer to graduating and then in uh, college, it, it started kind of coming to light a little bit, like, holy cow, I just got my PRCA card. Like, that was a huge accomplishment in my life, and, and I just stair-step them goals pretty much my whole career of, you know, obviously, yeah, you want to go to the NFR or the PBR finals or win this or win that, but I tried to stair-step them the whole, my whole career. That way I didn't get so focused on an endpoint to where I could consistently see in myself making some uh, progression.
0: I think that's a, <clears throat> I was a little of the same. Uh, I, I, I guess it could be called patience now, yeah. but I just didn't have, I was doing, the, you know, NRA rodeos in Montana. And even when I joined the PRCA in 1994, I was just doing it in the moment. I, I was married. My wife and I went to the NFR and she said, you could be out in that barrel someday. I said, I'll never, uh, that's yeah. just, that's a whole different group of people when you're talking about, you yeah. feel like you're watching from a distance and you're on the other side. And And I think it was within two years I had the NFR. And it, it just yeah. was, just blew my mind. But uh, my first year in the PRCA was 1994 and the first rodeo to hire me, wasn't the first rodeo I worked, it was my third one. First rodeo that said, if you join the PRCA, we'll hire you, was Red Lodge, Montana. Oh, yeah. Well, they still weren't real certain of my abilities, so they hired two of us.
1: <laughs> I know who the other guy was. We,
0: They hired two of us. That happened at, like, three rodeos that year. Glasgow, Montana. They hired Steve Tomac, the senator from North Dakota. Just to be sure, Red Lodge, it was Timber Tuckness. Yeah. And it was, I'll tell you, it was pretty fun because he did, he had a car act and I had to dress like a woman, but Called it
1: Gaddafi. Re-
0: what, what was her name?
1: Mumu Qaddafi. Mumu
0: Gaddafi. That I was Mumu Qaddafi. <laughs> yeah. You know, looking back though, and I had done some NRA rodeos with him and it just kind of showed me, I, I got to give your dad credit. He always has substance to his acts He's got the YMCA thing now. There was yeah. always props, always substance, always a visual stimulation to his acts, which I think is missing a little in rodeo right now. But <laughs> needless to say, later in my career they just hired me. I was good, <laughs> but that was interesting. I, I'll never forget Mumu Gaddafi. I had the wig on and the lady hat. I had a conehead deal, bald conehead thing with Big ears. So when the car blew up, I threw the wig off and I had a cone head. He was so mad at me. Like you can't be doing your own thing. out here. Yeah, yeah. Uh the, <laughs> Yeah, I did. I I stole stole the thunder, but he had a lot of firecrackers and explosives yeah, and stuff. Yeah, a
1: lot of Roman candles. One of us would always get on fire. Yeah, once once in a while.
0: Um, Matisi, well, you're from Matisi, Wyoming. Check me if I'm wrong. You were a pretty good football player, six-man football. See, I paid attention. I used to see your name because I really watch. I not I don't as much anymore. I always watched high school football stats and results in the newspapers, and I see Dusty Tuckness, so I knew who you were because you were playing in Montana, but you played for Matizzi.
1: Yeah, yeah, we uh, for them. My junior senior year, we played in the Montana. Circuit, or I guess you call it. See, circuit. We'll go
0: with circuit. Yeah,
1: going rodeo style on it in their conference, and it's a whole different uh, ball game. The change of pace, the the rules, the, the actually the yardage of the field, but uh, it's a lot of fun.
0: I watched. I've seen one six man football game, state semifinals in Montana, and I've never seen such great open field tacklers in my life. They beat the crap out of each other, man. Yeah.
1: I think my best, uh, one of my best games, total yardage from kick return, passing, rushing and all that stuff. I had 505 yards in one game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just plugged, just chipped away at him. Three, oh, three yards in a cloud of dust. It's a great game to watch. It's uh okay. So here's, here's the big question. Cause this is my thing. Matizzi still a high school in Matizzi. Are they good? they still good there. Yeah. Plus I love saying that name. Matizzi. Show me, show me Matizy's. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Sorry. Matizzi yeah. home of the. Chiefs. Matizzi chiefs. No,
1: it's, well, that's where, so the sign says Matizzi and it means where the chiefs meet, but the, it's the longhorns.
0: Oh, okay. It's the yeah. Matizzi longhorn. So yeah. here's the deal. You need to somehow use your connections back in Wyoming I need a Matizzi Longhorns shirt. Can you can, can you do that?
1: I can make it happen.
0: Because that's my thing on my Facebook Live Tuesday night things, I try to wear a different different deal all the time. Can you can make it happen? Do you have connections there still?
1: Yeah, yeah, I know some of the uh, student bodies still, and then one of my good friends, she's actually one of the, the physical education teacher there now, so I, I got an name.
0: What are the colors? What's the colors?
1: Uh, red and uh, white, or yeah, pretty much red and white.
0: Okay. Yeah, I have it on record. Matizzi Longhorns coming my way. You know what my favorite one so far is? The oh. Lingle Fort Laramie, Wyoming. It's my favorite one. You know what it is? Uh-uh. The Doggers. The Bulldoggers. It's a steer wrestler. The logo's a Bulldogger.
1: That's yeah. cool.
0: Let's see what I can do for you. I got connections. <laughs> so there you go. Um, do you ever. Uh, reminds me uh, it, when I'm talking to other people, I think of other conversations I had uh, Justin McBride. I remember him saying, we did a lot of crummy stuff. We partied in a lobby, of a hotel. We played our guitars till five in the morning. We'd go out and party to our, we'd do stupid stuff, but everything we ever did, we were thinking about bull riding all the time. Yeah. I've been around you. You are, always are thinking about bullfighting always. Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I can, uh, bounce off what Justin was saying. I, I believe it or not college and high school, I lived a little bit of the wilder life and partying and all that stuff. But man, I can't think of a day in the last 20 something years or more where I wasn't thinking fighting bulls or how to get better watching film or whatever, you know, it's just, been instilled in me
0: speaking of that i know for a fact from being around you you are a true i know man of faith is kind of a common term i look at you different i guess you you don't hide your faith but you also don't hide behind it if that makes sense you live the life that you um tote to others you don't preach it on people you don't push it on people you don't hide behind it but you don't hide it that is very important to you is is there something that really turned you to that strength you get from that either just a past, to anything because it's really important to you and strong in your life
1: oh yeah man I, honestly yeah like growing up as a kid I was you know I was would go to church or whatever, but I never, never enjoyed it, never wanted to whatever. And long story short, it was actually through rodeo is where I uh, went to a rodeo Bible camp when I was young. And it was kind of the turning point for me in a career to fight bulls. And uh, ultimately I think God's plan for my life is when I was 15, like I got started fighting bulls when I was 12 and way younger than a lot of people. I was sneaking away to some practice pens with a old guy. You might know Scotty Brown, from up uh, there in Powell, I used okay. to fight
0: bulls. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, anyways, I ended up getting a chance to step in the arena one year in New Salem, North Dakota, when I was 15. And I can honestly say, up until that point of that night, I I didn't know what fear was. I didn't have never have any nerves. You know, growing up two older brothers and always just getting beat on, like never struck me and. I got a pretty good wreck that night uh, picking a bull off uh, Josh Ravinius, and he knocked me out, busted my chin, broke some ribs, and it really opened my eyes what this sport has or what's a, what's a part of it. And I remember a couple weeks later in the stands, <clears throat> that same bull come bucking out of the shooting in Baker, Montana, and, like, for the first time in my life, I can really remember fear struck, struck me. And it shook me so bad that in the stands, like, I was getting – the shaky knees and everything, and I tried going to a couple events after that that uh, that dad helped me get, in that. and that I can remember. Two weeks out, I was nervous. You know, week week of, you know, I was getting more nervous, and the morning of, I was drinking energy drinks and listening to rock and roll. Like I was like, man, maybe this is the life. This is what it's like. And I remember the first bull that bucked out. He wasn't even mean. He just jumped uh, jumped out there. A couple turned back, and I can remember making eye contact with him and like it stopped me in my tracks and I wish I could find this picture because I'd laugh at it now well I do uh, but it was a picture so if you're looking at the arena and Cody the picture was taken towards the bucking shoots and this bull is literally like jumping and kicking across the arena like 40 yards from the bucking shoot and guess where I'm at I'm on the very top rail of the bucking shoot like it scared me so bad but long story short I ended up there was just something still about rodeo I wanted to be a part of, and they were doing a rodeo Bible camp in Matitsi, Wyoming. There it is again, (laughs) Matitsi. And uh, I went to go there really with the intentions of just growing and fighting bulls and learning and trying to get over this hiccup and this adversity in my life. And lo and behold, those three days there just really transformed my life. I received Jesus into my life, and and that's where my mental game really started changing. Um, Our mind is the most powerful thing, but it can be our worst enemy. And it was that week when I started uh, uh, trusting what I was made to do. Started having more positive uh, thoughts and really started to control what I was thinking and how I was going about it. And it was at that young age <clears throat> that uh, going to that camp originally just wanting to go to fight bulls, but ultimately, you know, changing the trajectory of my life. And uh, since then, it's just been a, you know, growing. Uh, Uh, experience for the last 20 years or whatever. And each, each day I I learned something, but ultimately I think for me is just, it sharpens my mind. And and I wish I could show you some old film from in high school. And when I was first in college, like I thought I was really fighting bulls good, but ultimately, man, I was just kind of in the arena, but it was through that adversity that i went through and the changing of my life is when i really just started changing my mind and my thought process and my work ethic and it's just it's been a blessing
0: proof that so much of this job yes we got to take take care of ourselves physically yeah it's like overcoming uh it's like overcoming an injury for a bull rider as well i've asked a lot of them what's harder to overcome coming back from an injury physically or coming back from it emotionally and mentally, they all say mentally and emotionally. So we got to take care of ourselves physically, but the physical part of it means nothing without the emotional side of it to uphold that physical side of it. I I like that you say, man, I really felt like I was something until I look at the old videos now and we realize how far we come and it's there is uh there's so many things presented to us in this profession whether it's in the arena or out of the arena in the arena professionally outside of the arena personally you need something to lean on you need that rock that you reach out and say that's there for me am i on the right track there
1: oh absolutely and in You know, I think it, it bull riding, fighting bulls, clowning anything. You know, once you get in a rut, whether it's a positive rut or a negative rut, you know, you're the more you get in that track, the harder it is to going to be get out of it. So if you're in that negative rut or that bad thinking process, it's going to be harder to get out of it if you're consistently doing it. So on the the positive and the mind gym and, and the the inspirational side of things, I think the more you know those guys. You, that's where you look at some of those uh, guys on, on the PBR tour and, and the elite guys in, in uh, PRCA, and that that are consistently winning inside of injury and out is because they've got a sharp uh, mental game going. And ultimately, that's that's what it takes. You know, I mean, you can be so fit, but your fitness doesn't play a role at all if you can't control your your thought process.
0: Goes back a little to what we were talking about earlier, <clears throat> when you're at these rodeos that are long and, and a grind. You can't get up here and you can't get down there. You got to be here. I, I think there was a generation or two of bullfighters, no secret that they were either down here or up here and yeah. they did some things to get them up here and did yeah. some things to take them back down. I mean, there's a history of that because of the mental grind, because of the physical pain, because of the emotional pain. We fe- I feel like we're in a different generation of bull riders uh the locker room's a little different atmosphere you guys are mixing supplements in with your water nowadays it hasn't always been They're like that
1: supplements then too just different
0: it looks, they mix stuff with their water too yeah. it is a different world even when i started it's way different now i you know i came in i came into this career and the guys i worked with were joe bumgardner and lloyd ketchum and you know, hardest thing Lloyd Ketchum did was a steak and a baked potato before every perf before every perf Joe Bumgardner would drink a Coors after the rodeo, but I came in on that so I didn't get that. You know, I yeah. and uh but in that in that faith you have Cody Custer on this podcast, uh he he said something interesting to me. I think you can relate. That's why I wrote it down. He said, "My faith never changes." But my beliefs change. My beliefs have changed. But my faith always is there. And Mm -hmm. and he related that with, he used to be the guy that came and everything was about his faith and Jesus. And he kind of got, he, he changed because he said, I never wanted to be the guy that when I walked up, people hid their beer. Yeah. And he has changed his belief in how he can represent his faith has changed, but the faith is always there. Makes sense to you.
1: hundred percent. I think on the physical side too, where you see people so dominant as well as your situation may change, but your work ethic doesn't, you know, from town to town or injury to injury or whatever. And, and that's the guys that I really look up to and respect a lot is, you know, anybody can do something good or, or, all that stuff when they're feeling good and all the, all the ducks are in the row. But it's those guys that are them underdogs, or them guys that are going through things and that, that you know can continue to work hard and keep grinding. So, you know, your outlook on it is just your whole perspective.
0: Yeah, I don't. I it's an interesting topic to me. It's people can say what they want until you're standing out there with broken ribs or uh, perf number twenty and your feet hurt. You always got to have a little. There's always got to be something out there, you know. Yeah. And there's certain. I think we've all had little things happen in our life that you go, "Wait, that wasn't random." That, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not a big. Uh, I could be better. Mm. I'll say that. And being around you makes me think about it and feel better. So that's a compliment to you. So and I always appreciate that. Um, you. There's different situations you're put in going back into the arena because I know people like to hear about it. uh, We go to a PBR, and it's a three-man system. Hell, the the world finals, there's four (laughs) bullfighters. It's a three-man bullfighting system. People that are working for the PBR that don't have a background in rodeo, we'll have one guy get hurt and leave the arena, or he can't go on Sunday. And the people that are working PBR, oh my God, are we gonna have to bring somebody else in? Like, whoa. <laughs> I remember when there was me and one bullfighter. Yeah. And and I love to go spend a couple days at Cheyenne and watch you and Cody Webster, Sosby yeah. in the Barrel, the two man bullfighting system at a place like Cheyenne. You guys call it the blender, right? Am I right? Where'd yeah. that come from? Where the Blender thing?
1: Yeah, I don't- I couldn't even tell you the time of date when that come up it just it kind of started with the old compound crew I guess there's just a group of us guys you know Harp and Justice and Wes and Chuck and all this you know we just kind of guys with the same mission and the same vision and it was just I don't kind of a word to come to mind and and if you think about it when you're telling that bull you know it looks like a blender and you know you can spin that bull up pretty good and you know, keep them occupied and let that guy get away. And and a lot of times, and, and for one of the committee guys, Frank Thompson. You know, a lot of there's a lot of places you go in big arenas. A lot of people think, oh man, you guys are just showboating and fighting them. And and my response to that a lot of times is, if you want me to fight them, get the med sled ready because me and Webb are going to wear this dude down to the ground. I said, what well, we're a lot of times what we're doing, we're we're uh, controlling that animal in, in a in in a situation where one or two uh, rotations, that bull's head comes up. He sees the out gate and leaves. And, and Frank Thompson come up to us this last week, and it was pretty humbling to to have him say it, say it for one. But he's like, man, you guys are saving us a lot of headache of roping bulls and that because you guys are keeping this bull occupied right here. That bull leaves out. He said, you know, over 10 days of rodeo, that saves a, a lot of time, and he appreciated it. And I'm like, man, I appreciate that, Frank, because yeah. a lot of people just think we're out there, we're having fun. But, you know, trying to showboat, and we're not. We're just trying to help the production and, and uh, take care of the animal and the bull rider as well.
0: Here's what I say to people saying, you guys are out there showboating. I think this is lost in rodeo quite a bit, getting better, but it's lost. What if you are? Are we not in the entertainment business? Are you not entertained? Very we're, true. Very listen, the, rodeo is made, yes, the contestants in the competition, without fans in the stands enjoying what they are seeing, hey, when I'm watching the bull riding at Shine Frontier Days and you guys are head, tail, you got him in the blender and you're, you go and you're whooping and hollering and you're smiling and high-fiving, that's selling tickets. Yeah. So I know contractors don't always like you to do it with every bull. Yeah. You're in the entertainment business as much as I am.
1: Yeah. Well... You, you know, over the years of fighting bulls and that, you, you learn your contractors, and you you learn some of the bulls and that, so you know when to do a little bit more and when not to, and those those contractors, a lot of them recognize that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, but you're right, there's a lot of people that have come up to you and be like, man, that was cool, that was entertaining, and, and we are in the entertainment business, and and when you're, you know, it doesn't really matter where you can put me and Webstray, you can put us in a backyard, buck out, and and with no fans and no music or whatever, and we're still just going to have the, the time of our life. But you start putting in the fans and those atmospheres like Cheyenne and, and different places, like, man, you, you, we just don't get enough bulls. Like, we're just craving it. We're having fun. And and, and you, everybody feeds off that. And, uh, you know, you step in the pen with a guy like Webster, man, you either better step up your game or, or get left in the dust. And uh, we just have a ball when we're out there.
0: What do you like better? <clears throat> you like fighting bulls with two guys or three guys, or does it matter? There's an, you have to adapt to one or the other in the moment.
1: Oh, for sure. Um, ultimately, I've always said, you know, if you got the two guys that are know the fundamentals and, and, and are aggressive, you can, you can do just as good uh, as a three man. But if you got uh, two other guys in the arena that can work a three man, oh man, you I can't even put words to it, man. You get yeah. us clicking and rolling and going and, it's just so much fun, and, and the the good thing about the three man deal, if you got guys that can work it, is it just saving some steps for it for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's covering their side. It's the triangle effect. Everybody's floating, reading, and reacting. So, if you got guys that know how the three man, I'll I'll do three men all day. But if, you know, in a sense like Cheyenne, if they just said no, it's just you and Webster. Well, yeah. I know it's, I know we're going to be able to take care of it. And if I get hooked and down, that's the bull's going to get me once. He's not going to get me again, you know, and vice versa.
0: Well, the, and the difference is to Cheyenne. Now I, I'm going to pull the old guy thing on you. When I was a <laughs> Cheyenne, we had three sections of 12, like we'd buck 36 yeah. to 45 bulls a day. Yeah. Um, Now it's two seconds. What do you guys buck 20 a day? Uh,
1: uh Yeah. <laughs> two sections. 10. Yeah. Well, Hey, but back it up. So my <laughs> Time at Cheyenne was three seconds, so yeah, I, okay, I got a little bit of it. So, but it's changed
0: a lot, yeah. yeah. For sure. but point being, at a PBR or an extreme bulls, you might go and buck, uh, uh, fight forty to fifty bulls in one night. So, just yep. and PBR same way to save those steps is is critical. If you are two or three days, that does help, and comes back to if one of you goes down, we still got two of you because you wouldn't want your next option to be like me. You don't want that. You do not yeah. want that.
1: <laughs> yeah, well that the. I mean, obviously, that's evolved from the PBR and and and, the, and so, so to some rodeos and and I think Joe Bumgarner's kind of been the the guy who kind of evolved that deal and and I think that's awesome because you're right. The bull ridings, you know, 50, 60 head, um, you know, PBR finals, seven days or whatever it is. I mean, you guys are going through so many bulls, so having that extra guy, you know, for one, if one does, does go down, you got two, but then it even trickled down into the velocities. Uh, so I think the last two, two and a half years mm-hmm. that they started going to three was a lot for a lot of years. It was just two, which was fine. But there was time, I know Webb one year, you know, ended up kind of working two full bull rides by himself. Um, because of oh, the I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so they started implementing the three man in the velocities and, and one, it gives, you know, more guys some opportunities to have some jobs. But for, for two, ultimately, man, you can save some steps. And you, you do go through a lot of bulls at them uh, PBR events every weekend. So it's it's good to have three guys, but it's even better when you got the right three guys. You, there's not a better day in the world.
0: Um, speaking of Joe Baumgartner, it, we go through this. So I, you know, bull riders, and if I have bull riders on this show, I ask him who's the best bull rider you ever saw in person? And I might ask you that, but hold on. <laughs> okay. Who's the best bull rider you ever saw as a kid. Who do you think is the best bull rider? you're around bull riders every day? Cause listen, in the last few days, what I've gone through is people saying, you're telling me all these years and you just saw the best bull ride you ever saw on a Saturday night in Tulsa. Mm-hmm, I sure did. And so there's always that, what's the best bull ride you ever saw? It used to be J.B. Mooney on Pearl Harbor in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Now it's Jose V. Tortlame in Tulsa, yeah. Oklahoma. Uh, best bull rider that you think you've ever seen? Maybe not in person as a kid. What do you think?
1: Man, that's that's a, a tough question because you're always going to be able to have debates on that. And I don't, if I were to just say one right now, I mean, Jose. I mean, Jose is just something special to watch. Um, he is, he, he is work ethic to everything like that. Guy's just in such control. You know, watching at Cheyenne, he wrote everything, and then the very next weekend, you know, uh, rides whoop off for 97 and three quarters. And any, I never, I wasn't there in person, but watching on video, I'm just like. That guy's in kind of a league of his own. But, I mean, you you go down to JB, you go down to Jess Lockwood, you know, on the PBR side of things. And the guys that I really got to know, you know, in in my career on the PRCA side of things that I thought were amazing was, uh, you know, you you can't have Sage Kimsey not in that conversation. Um, That guy's so dominant. He's consistent. He rides really, really correct. Um, but one of two of my, I guess, my favorites when I was really rodeo, or I'm still rodeo, but when they were rodeoing, was uh, one of my best friends, Cannon AC and, and JW Harris. Uh, I've seen two rides that come to mind at the NFR, actually three, but one was Cannon on Big Iron, uh, the 10th round in 2009 was 93 points on uh, JW Harris when he rode Smokescreen for 94 and a half. And then uh, Brennan Eldred when he rode. Uh, bruiser, oh, uh, bruiser for yeah. 94. like, it's like, you and I talked the other day is like, I know how awesome that ride Jose what had on whoop all the other day, watched it on video, but it's something different and special when you're on the ground floor and you were on ground floor to that, just as I was on cannons and J dubs and Brandon and and there's just a whole different, different way you look at it.
0: Yeah. I, people try to judge watching on TV and, and, uh, you know, this whole debate lately with Jose, and it's almost to me gotten to a point when I watch that ride, it's not even opinion. It's just right in front of you. Like when other world champions who've been 95 points say, that's the greatest ride ever. Yeah. That's saying something like if you're a, if you're an armchair quarterback that just watches bull riding at home and you're telling us we're wrong, that's not, yeah. that's not being upset because somebody has a different opinion. That's just being an idiot. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. So, You're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, on that same kind of track, I'm, I'm going to exclude you from the conversation. In my life, because he helped me a lot, and every NFR, I did the NFR eight times, and every single one of them was with one guy. The two of us worked together every time. Joe Bumgarner. Yep. I've always said Joe Bumgarner was the greatest cowboy protection, straight-up cowboy protection bullfighter I ever saw. He didn't get mucked out much because he he had a way of sliding in and sliding out, hated yep. freestyle bullfighting. I remember doing a rodeo in Pleasant Grove, Utah, with him, and they had a Mexican fighting bull in the chute to fight after the rodeo. Joe threw up. He puked before the bull riding because he was so scared. Uh. <laughs> Joe brought we gotta admit, he brought something different and sane and calm and smooth to the cowboy protection field. Am I right?
1: hundred percent. You know, Joe B was uh I mean, I still look up to the guy even though he's been retired, but uh he you're right, you know, there was there was uh, you know, an era before him, you know, kind of the gritty, hard nosed tough guys, your Schmitz and, and those guys of that, but when Joe started kind of coming into the scene, like there was a, the style started changing the smoothness, um, just like a poetry in motion basically. And there's an old video I got, I think it's called like extreme rides and wrecks. And the, the a lot of the two guys that are on there, they show uh, through all those wrecks and, and that is Joe Bumgardner and Frank Newsom. And those guys, I mean, worked the finals multiple times. Joe's got the record at the NFR, um, you know, he's worked at 14 times, 13 consecutively. Like, he, he raised the bar to a point to where, uh, you know, it, it may never be achieved, but he's a guy that you can go back and look at those film and see just a lot of correct fundamentals. And you're you're right. Like, he just slide in there nice and easy on a hang-up or a gap and slide right out. And uh, he was just awesome to watch. And, you know, I can remember the first time I ever seen Joe, and he'd never – recall this but I got to go down to the finals I think maybe in 2000 or 01 or something it was a year him and Smets worked it so oh, yeah. 2000 and or 2001 or something
0: and me and yeah thank you yeah yeah
1: and I remember at the the hangout place and where everything was then was the Gold, Gold Coast. Coast yeah and uh, we, me and dad sat down for breakfast and I looked over a few tables from me and there sat Joe Bumgardner, and I'm like no way like where's his security like, you
0: know how you knew it was him because you how? could hear him saying the f word in his conversation From the yeah.
1: table. anyway go yeah, ahead that's no kidding. Yeah. but i was like man there's no way he can why is he sitting there with no you know bodyguards that's the mentality or the mind thought the process i had of where i held him just because he was such an elite guy and every nfr I watched that point or every video he was always in it and and he was just a guy that I looked up to, and to look up to, and and you see a lot of his style in a lot of guys today.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, you know that at the NFR at the bottom of that tunnel in Thomas and Mack, there's a garbage. There didn't used to be a garbage can there. He puked before every performance. 140 performances, he claims he threw up. And uh, Gizmo McCracken, he might still stand down there. The yep. rodeo clown, he tends, he's like security at the bottom of that tunnel. Got that garbage can for Joe so he could throw up. So a guy like that, he may need bodyguards, but he pukes before every performance. And he was loud. It was
1: like, ah! I, all dinosaurs. Oh, gosh,
0: yeah. Um, A lot of people ask all the time, huh? My kid wants to be a bullfighter. What should I do? And I say, they got to learn. Like, yep. don't throw him in here. Frank Newsom always says, get a job at a sale barn to learn the the habits of handling large animals. Yeah. Do you love teaching it as much as you love doing it?
1: Yeah, I do. And, uh, you know, I've been able to put a few schools on over, you know, usually one or two a year, but that was the one cool thing about last year. Um, you know, things were slowed down, but the, the night rodeo in Cody still uh, was up and going. So I went up there, worked the 4th of July rodeo, and then for the remainder of the month, I've, and I'll probably never do this again. I did five schools in a row, and by the end of that fifth school, I was exhausted. But I had such a blast last July of being able to bring new kids in and, and showing them the fundamentals. And ultimately, yes, the, the the way the sport's evolved, whether you're riding bulls, being a rodeo clown or rodeo entertainer or fighting bulls or whatever, the key to success now is to get to a good school of somebody that's going to bring you up upright and, and teach you the right fundamentals, but also get you around the, the right right cattle for your, your level. So is at the end of the day, uh, your mind's going to tell you if this is something you want to do. And there's been kids that come to a school and the first day or by the second day, like, man, I'm glad I tried it, but this isn't for me. And that's fine. That's a smaller investment than actually having to go to the hospital and pay for something. So ultimately, yeah, get to a good school, learn the ins and outs of it. And then it's not in three days, you're going to be a professional, it's going to take consistency. <laughs> you know, I know people are like, Hey, I went to Cody's school. I'm ready to go. I'm like, well, wait a minute. You know, that's three days. You know, Webster's invested. He's been fighting bulls. He started fighting when I was, you know, 12, 11 years old. Mm-hmm. Like we've got eight, 10 years in before we're even eligible to get a card. So like, there's a lot of time and effort you got to put into it, but that's the starting point.
0: What else do you teach him besides in the arena? Uh, Ty Murray, has told me several times. he His parents shipped him off to hang out with Larry Mahan all summer when he was like 13 years old. Yeah. And he said, everything I learned about rodeo, I learned so much from Larry Mahan about rodeo and not one thing had to do with ride. Yeah. Do you take time at your schools to teach them other things? How, how to conduct yourself, how to do contracts, how to take care of business. There's got to be so many things. I always said if I did a school, that would be my emphasis.
1: Oh, yeah, that's... So um, that's how I kind of run the the schools at Cody because uh, it's really hard to do a lot of cattle work in the daytime because they're using that arena, you know, running stock in and out. And so I I take a smaller number of students, and that way they and they work the night that performance that night. um, But that way they can still get you know a handful of bulls for sure every night. But I go through the fitness side of things. Uh, I teach them some different, uh, you know, I, I do a lot of the training at, at the roadie arena because uh, give them an idea of how to utilize stuff at every arena. You know, you got a body, so there's your tool, you know, and, and different things you can do utilize at each arena. Um, I talk business. I talk the mental side of things like we talked about earlier. You know, if you can't have a sharp mind, it doesn't matter how good shape you are. Um, I talk, you know, professionalism and that goes inside and outside of the arena. And, you know, as well as I do, you, you could be the very best at your job in that arena. But if you can't get along with other people, if your people skills aren't good, you're, you're not going to work that much. And so I try to give them a taste of a little bit of everything, what it takes, and then also open it up to if, they, if they're if they dealing with something in their life or whatever, you know, I'll give you my two cents. And whether it's right or wrong, you know, uh, you know let them know that the community of rodeo and bull riding is, you know, we're we're in this together and and I think the, the 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 good people like yourself and you know a lot of other guys that you know you're not in, in a sense worried of somebody taking your job in a sense I feel that it's like you come to the finals every year you still do your show and your work and doing the, the buckle ceremonies and stuff but you're a fan of the sport mm. you know you want to see people be successful and that's the yeah. same way with me like I I hope one day I'm sitting in the stands at the NFR and looking down and I'm like, man, those kids are at my school. That's awesome. I'm so happy for them. So.
0: <clears throat> well, if you're, and I mean this sincerely, because I've, I've had a lot of people ask me, would you ever do a school? At, I go back and forth because I don't know if I could teach somebody to be funny. I always said I'd like to talk business and treating yeah. people more than anything. So if you're ever doing a school close and I'm off, I'd love to come. Oh absolutely. Chip in anywhere and you know, show my bullfighting skills. Uh, actually oh, yeah. what I can contribute is that first step up the fence. I got a quick first step. So I'm synchronized there
1: synchronized fence climbing. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I, and hat throwing. I'm a good hat yeah, throw. But I would oh yeah. But sincerely I would. I'd love to come. I know you and Webb do schools and I, I would love to do that. So I'm I'm offering my services. I mean yep. I mean, not. I don't work for free. Yes, I would work for free. <laughs> uh, been watching the Olympics. You Olympics Man,
1: I've tuned into a little bit of it, but actually, what I was watching over this last weekend, as much as I could during Cheyenne, was the, the CrossFit Games.
0: Oh. Um,
1: and the CrossFit and the fitness stuff of things.
0: You would. Right. I'm a track guy. I, I I watch the Olympics for track, and it's the one thing. For one, I've hated. All sports in the last year and a half that don't have fans in the stand, I can't. Sports is the entertainment business without crowds. We're on the it, doesn't make sense. However, I can watch track all the time. Were you were you a track guy ever? You were fast. You're fast.
1: Well, see, that's where like. I've changed over the years is I only went out for track my junior year and I hated running I didn't want to run and my coach at the time he's like man you're a jumper so I won our region in a high jump and I made it uh in long and triple as well and that was my deal I did not want to run well my senior year I was going to go back out for track well our assistant coach decided to make it more of a team sport and was going to make me run. So I didn't go out.
0: Well, run what though? Come on, man. Oh, you. I, do.
1: I hate running that much. So I'm like, no, I'm a jumper. If you want me, I'm a jumper. <laughs> and he said, we're going to do some relays. And I was like, peace.
0: The short re I ran the short relay and then I was a jumper. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm well, disappointed. I'm disappointed. I- Tuck. All right. Uh, before I let you go. Fun. Uh, who's the most famous person in your cell phone? You've been around, we we have mutual friends, Tuck, you have access, most famous person in your cell phone. Oh, most
1: famous person outside of you, Flint.
0: But yeah, I, you got to exclude me. Yeah,
1: you got to yeah, exclude me. Probably, uh, I'd like to say, uh, I'd have Garth Brooks's number, but I don't, I've only talked to him on the phone, on Maury's phone.
0: Well, oh, because, okay, so Maury, Maury yeah. Tate, is he Cody Knight Rodeo still? yeah. So the MoBeta, wasn't he the shirt company yep. that Garth wore with no collars back in no the collars.
1: day? I wore one, uh, uh, original Garth Brooks, the black and white, no collared, Friday night at his concert.
0: Shut he your mouth.
1: Garth Brooks.
0: Yeah, In Cheyenne this year? Yeah. <laughs> Did he see you?
1: No, no, he didn't. He kind of flew in and flew right out, so I didn't get to go and uh, see him again or nothing, but yeah. Yeah, that's the, you know, Maury's got a great friendship connection there, and that's where I talked to him on
0: the phone. Well, so what was the conversation? Now you got me interested. My, You've peaked my uh, interest.
1: I don't even remember. I just remember Maury's like, hey, hold on a second. Uh, I got somebody to talk to, and I was like, hello. And I just thought he's just going to, you know, start singing, I've got friends. Because
0: <laughs> like, that's I what they do.
1: <laughs> and uh, I looked at Maury, and he kind of started giggling, and I was like, it's <laughs> like, yep. and I, I don't even, I don't even know if I said anything, but I just remember him talking to me on the phone. I don't know if I said, anything. You,
0: you know what you could, you know what you felt at that moment, the piss running down your leg. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. So, okay. What about in your phone? I know I'm pushing that. I, I'm...
1: Man, in my phone, golly, I can't uh, really think of anybody in my phone. I got Dale Brisby's number. I mean, he's, he's pretty.
0: <laughs> so fat, do I. Man. It's not under Dale Brisby. But yeah, I don't
1: really have any, uh, like, okay. I would say famous, famous people in there, uh, other than just rodeo stars,
0: man, yeah. like yourself. I so. think, but, you know, I think people people like us, we take for granted that maybe I have could call Trevor Brazil today, or yeah. you, yeah, exactly. Joe Bumgartner. Those are... I think we do sometimes you not. I I use the word jaded a lot, but I don't think it's jaded. I think we take for granted the world that we're immersed in and the people that we call friends. And I think people that we would look on the outside at a Garth Brooks, people that we think are huge stars. Those are just his friends in his cell phone. And I think that's how we are. I know I could call you anytime and visit and take care of things and no big deal. So, and and I'm going to post your cell number. On the screen. Appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because I know you need more friends. I'm single. (laughs) (laughs) You and I. uh, Montana, uh, rodeo, the Western Sports World's most eligible bachelors. That's
1: us. There you go. I like it. I like it.
0: Um, I want you to know something before I let you go. I'm bragging a little, but it relates to what I want to tell you. Um, I have, my two girls are 22 and 20. A 22-year-old daughter, as we do this, is giving a talk in Tyler, Texas for Cavenders to a youth conference about high school rodeo transitioning to college rodeo and how to balance it all. They flew her to Texas. My 20-year-old daughter is a couple hours away doing a goat tying clinic for a bunch of high school girls. And I think the biggest reason that they have those opportunities is one thing – I've driven into them their whole lives. You can have all the success you want inside the arena, but it means nothing if you don't treat people well outside of the arena and that's what they remember. Their opportunities have been created because of that and how they've treated people. I am proud of my college-age girls that they're somewhere in the country right now talking to young people. And when I look at you in your career, i um, If I had to pick one guy that I'm friends with that embodies that, uh, you are in that list of top five people. You know that that's important in a career, probably more important. You mentioned it already, and I know that that's important. And it's guys like you that I can point my girls to and say, you can do it like that guy does it. And I want you to know that.
1: I appreciate that. It means a lot.
0: Yeah, so... So listen, don't, we're not going to go off the air and don't tell me I'm a turd or anything. So. <laughs> uh, but it is, uh, you're one of those guys. We always, we talk, and I talk in my life about friends I have that when I see them, it makes my day better. You make my day better, Dustin. So.
1: Same to you, Flint.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, I know you're busy. It's, it's that time of year. And I appreciate your time. And... I appreciate you joining me and sharing me your th- sharing your thoughts and I know you got really good years ahead of you in, in your career uh, in the rodeo world in the PBR world we're seeing you a little more so I appreciate you and I look forward to seeing you thanks man
1: Thank you man we're uh, we'll see you at the next one
0: Sounds good Dusty Tuckness